Hello and welcome to the I'm Walking Here podcast. Come and listen as some idiots talk about sports and give their takes for a while. Welcome to another episode of I'm Walking Here. I'm your resident master, as always, Ian Cusick. Joined by my good friend, the New Yorker, Bryce Olds. Bryce, how are we doing today, my guy? Um, the my guy threw me off. Yeah, I, I, I kind of shook things up a little bit, didn't I? It's probably because this is the funny number episode, so. Uh, um, yeah, it is that. It is it's the, a uh... bad episode, so I had to, it has to be special, so I got uh, Hefe back for his second appearance. What's up, guys? What's up, everyone? How y'all doing? Welcome back, man. It has been a minute. It has. Yeah. Uh, trying I think to remember when the, the last one was, but uh, preseason maybe. I want to say August. Yeah, I think it was uh, in August. Yeah, August. That sounds about right. Well, I want to start with something because this is kind of we didn't have this when we made the episode, but since it's Friday, and the Cowboys played last night, <laughs> let's talk about that, Hefe, because you're a Cowboy fan. Yeah. But, Let's speak on this. How do you feel about Jason Garrett right now? Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for December 30th, so they let fire him. <laughs> Happy New Year! You're fired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you um, don't want to make the playoffs? Um, I mean, making the playoffs would be cool. I mean, but you know, I'd rather take the better draft spot. Also, um, I don't want Jason Garrett to have any leg to stand on that he shouldn't be fired. Yeah. Because if they make the playoffs, there's going to be an argument if he should be fired or not. And how the NFC East looks, I think the playoff we could see a six and ten team. I don't, I don't think it'll be that bad. I think it probably won't be that bad, but like I, I still think the Cowboys are going to beat the Eagles. Yeah, I mean they have to beat. Yeah, they could. The Eagles ain't good either. I mean that's just a case. Have you guys seen that? In theory, it's still possible oh, for the Redskins to win the division. Mm-hmm. That's they're three that's and nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got to win out. Yeah, they uh, have to win out, and then the Cowboys and the and the Eagles will have to lose out. That's not happening. But and I think the Eagles have yeah. to beat the Cowboys because they do that's play a long time ago. Yeah, so really, it can't happen. So basically, the Eagles would have to lose every game, beat the Cowboys, and the Cowboys would have to lose out. Which, with the football that we played last night, I mean, it's you know that that part of it is definitely possible. Yeah, but the, the Redskins just—they're not good at the end of the day. Yeah, the Redskins winning out might be the most difficult part. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, yeah, of that happening. It's definitely um, a race of who is the best at being bad at football. <laughs> Someone's got to make the playoffs from that division, man. And... Yep, technically one of one of each each division winner so technically we're see, has to make the playoffs. That is, we might see a double digit team miss the playoffs, but the eight and eight Cowboys are in because the division's that bad. It's hilarious. It really is. Which I think if the Redskins lose this week and then the Eagles lose, I think the Cowboys would just need one game to clinch. Um, 
Well, the Eagles are playing Giants. It's unheard of for the NFL. I mean, we, I believe the Saints or either the Seahawks made it, and they were seven and nine. Those was a, that was the Seahawks. They beat the Saints yep. actually. Yeah, that's right. That was the. Yep. Yeah, that was the Beast game. game. I don't know, man. It's it's incredible how bad this division actually is. Really, it, it's special. Well, the thing that's funny to me is that everything has gone wrong that could possibly go wrong for every single contender. I mean, for every single one of the NFC East teams. Yeah. I mean, the Giants, I mean, they look like the worst team on paper coming in. So, I mean, they've kind of done exactly what we thought they were going to do, I think. Um, Most people. Um, Yeah. I mean, Barkley got hurt, too. So. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, I mean, with the way that the Giants have used Barkley this year. Useless. um, They made him useless. Yeah. They haven't been able to use him the way. It's crazy how the Giants – you look at the Giants and they say, well, how they got two wins. It's even crazier when I tell you that those two wins, Barkley did not play. So he did not play in either game. I do think some of the problem is for them right now is because they're not using Barkley, but yet they're still spoon-feeding Barkley. I think he's just not 100%. And I, I think um, he shouldn't even be playing. I, there's no reason we should even be trotting out a winning lineup anymore. We're already in double-digit losses. Chase Young is right there. Just lose. Yeah, you guys are literally yeah, you know Here's the thing about Chase Young. If the Bengals take Burrow. Coaches, they never want to lose. I feel like Shermer does. I don't. I think Shermer knows that his Shermer's job gone. is pretty much gone. Shermer's so he might be trying to play for his job right now, but the thing is, it's ironic that by winning, he is helping his job. No, well, he's job well. There is no time. hurting his job because if he doesn't win anymore, he's gone. Um, winning would hurt the Giants right now. Here's the thing: I don't think I don't think the Giants are going to fire him this year. The coaching market is um, it's it's not. I mean, who's a free agent? You have um. Or free agent coach, rather. You have well, the... I think they're not going to fire him because I think the owner wants to save face and not bring in two new coaches in five years. Yeah, but there's no point of that, you know what I mean? But, listen to me here. Old rich white man wants to make, wants to save face. Doesn't want to doesn't be stubborn. I mean, wants to be stubborn rather than just accepting that I made two bad hires in five years. Sounds like an old rich white man. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want <laughs> You're I don't right. to see the Giants. I don't want to see the Giants just for, – for also another thing, too, is because the Giants have always been perceived as a well-run organization. I don't think that they want to uh, – Not this decade. Yeah. But, um, you know, that that's the history for the Giants, that they've always supposedly been well-run – so I don't think they want to change their perception of themselves. It's too late. <laughs> I think people we're a laughing stock. People know it. They know it. Um and we could blame the coaches all we want. I do think Shermer is a bad coach. Um I do think he probably would be best if he's gone. He's the McAdoo level. Um I wouldn't say he's that bad, but Gentleman is not much better either. Gettleman's way worse, actually. Gettleman's a real problem. Yeah. 
Uh, he's why we're a laughing stock, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not good. He. He just can't. He's just not who we want, you know. He's just not. I don't think any Giants fan wants. Honestly, any of this front office we have right now, the owners, we've been begging the uh, whoever I forget what they're the Maras to sell the franchise for years. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, it's just been a com- complete mismanagement of an entire franchise for so long. Um, not drafting Eli's replacement a lot sooner. Um, yeah, building a paper thin offensive line. For which to protect a aging Eli Manning, um, benching Eli Manning for uh, EJ Manuel. It was Geno Smith, actually. Geno Smith. They're the same person. Uh, they're the same yeah. person. Let's <laughs> be honest. Guy. I think they even were the same. Um, but yeah, the the Giants they just had they just uh, that that image of them I think is gone, but I think. I always think that those those guys don't aren't in touch with the way they look to everyone else. I think the problem was the Giants are just they're like, oh, we're we're the New York team, we're prestigious, or this or that. But like, they kind of got lost in that this decade, and they just didn't draft like because I I thou who shall not be named was one of the worst drafters in NFL history. And we ended up taking a bunch of people that aren't even on the team anymore, like Eli Apple at 10, Eric Flowers at 9. Like, it's just a bunch of garbage that hurt us in the long run because we don't, those picks were a waste. We're not using them anymore. Yeah. I mean, then when you look at it, too, I mean, the, the one thing I can say from New York, though, at least they have a Super Bowl in the last decade. We do. Yeah. We have a Super Bowl the last four decades. That is true. That is true. Or no, no, no. no, no. Actually, yeah, that is. Was the nineties? Yeah, you won the first. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, the yeah, last four decades we won one at least. So I mean, hopefully in the twenty twenties we figure it out. But I mean, it's hard for me to be optimistic about our future. In yeah. reality, I mean, at least I want the Redskins. See the Redskins. I mean, they're as long as if they can get rid of Dan Schneider, I mean, Dan Schneider is never selling that team, man. Well, everyone uh, dies eventually. He's, he's gonna hang on to that. Uh, and it's true, but that is true. Does Dan Schneider true. really have a heart to die on? <laughs> Dan Schneider's Dan Schneider. That's true. Dan oh, Schneider, man, he's gonna get Dan his head in, might... in a in a jar, like, and he's just gonna like control the organization. Like he's gonna get his brain surgically removed and placed. He's gonna be. He's gonna have his head placed. In <laughs> he's gonna be like Vladimir Putin, bro. Nah, I'm convinced that Dan Schneider actually sacrifices small children to uh, whatever satanic god he believes in. And just absorbs their life force that way, and he's gonna use that to live forever. What are we talking and about? Make the Redskins miserable forever. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Um, so we have last week to talk about. Yeah, we do have a couple of things to talk about. Um, I guess if we're gonna go in chronological okay. order, we can talk right, about Texans Patriots. Yeah. Why not? Um, 
So they did. The Patriots did not they look very good stinky. in Houston, to say the least. Uh, it yeah, wasn't that close. It wasn't like that close. Thirteen points in garbage time at all. Um, this is the second time a mobile quarterback has uh, torn the defense up. Um, which has, I mean, they tore the defense up for twenty-eight points. I, I, that's that's not bad. 28? I mean, 28 isn't... 28 is right there at that good number. Like, uh, I'd say 28's on the higher end of that, but I see what you mean. Like, right? Usually I'd say around thing, 20 like, or 23. If I'm an elite defense and I get tore up for 28, I'm not as mad as, say, I get tore up for 42. I mean, well, when you give up four passing touchdowns... Oh, yes, uh, that's a lot. I mean, that's... But you got to think, also, they gave up that one big trick play. Well, yeah, that was one of the touchdowns. Right. That's one of the touchdowns right there. Um, I so mean... You, you look at that one trick play, it's really the difference in deciding. That was not the case. <laughs> I mean... The... It's, it's technically... The... Technically in terms of the final score, maybe, but in terms of the game itself, I wouldn't say that. Um, plus, plus, they were on the road. Yeah, but they got to be able to win on the road, especially now because they lost the one seed. No, they 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 still have the one seed, right? No, they don't. No. Oh, no, that's right. Baltimore, Baltimore has them in the tiebreaker. Um. Yep. So unless Baltimore loses and New England wins out, uh, Baltimore's going to have the one seed in the playoffs, which, frankly, I see it, it's very possible. We could see two 14 okay, teams Okay, but listen the to the Patriots main schedule. They have the Bengals and the Chiefs. Well, that's the next two weeks. Yeah, and then the Bills. I think they probably they could win all four of those games. Uh, Dolphins, they, you should win that game. You should win the Bengals. The uh, Bills and Chiefs. The Chiefs. Are Bills are yeah, in. Also, the Chiefs. I'm pretty confident so. in that. Yeah, I'm less confident in Chiefs that, but also, I still like the Patriots. They also get the Chiefs at home. So, yes, I like. I like. I like. Uh, I like knowing those chances to win out. I think they can. I think they go. I think they go two and two with the worst. I mean, right. so they're gonna. So even if they go two and two, that's still twelve and four. Okay, and so it, like this Sunday, the Ravens got the Bills at home. That's like the. One I don't think the Ravens are losing. Again. And they're still gonna run over the Bills. I mean, they haven't even lost since September. The last time they lost was to the Browns. That's gonna be the. That's gonna looking back at the end of the season. Maybe. That's gonna be the like weirdest game. For, for loss. They, I, got, I, they got the Steelers to to end the season as well. And I'm sure the Steelers will be playing to try to confirm. Yeah, they'll be playing for their life. So that, that, that's a little bit different. I mean, both. Of, I think both of them are going to try to be competing in that game because the Steelers are going to be fighting for their playoff spot. The Ravens are going to be fighting to hold on to the number one seed. I definitely think the so Ravens will fight for the number one seed as hard as they can because I think they know 
They know yeah, that it's, it, it's hard, and you much rather. I mean, they already beat Tom Brady in the bank, so I mean, I think they could do it twice, and I think they know they can do it twice. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that they, I don't think they win if they go to New England. It'll be hard. It'll be very hard. Uh, it's gonna be a lot harder, but I, I'm, I, I think the Ravens, well, the Ravens are just built the Ravens, to be able to be the Ravens don't England, have Bill Belichick. So I wouldn't be surprised. And they've already given Bill Belichick lots of film. And then also, if they have that, to win New England, that's a valid point. Baltimore's best feature right now is their speed and physicality. Your speed goes away in New England when it's cold. And probably likely snowy in January. It's going to be cold in Baltimore. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy, though. Maybe not. Maybe not as snowy for sure, but. I don't know. It always feels like whenever New England plays at home in the playoffs, it's never snowy. It's like extremely cold, but it's always like always rainy, too. I well, don't think I can remember the last time. It might be tough. Game in the might have been tough the last time. Well, no, 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 no. Because they beat Pey- Peyton Manning one year in the snow. So maybe. Yeah, like 04. That was like 03. That's <laughs> 15 years ago. Hey, they're due. Um, they're due. Tom Brady, he sacrifices one yeah. more uh, child somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little too much child sacrificing child in this episode. So I think we episode. hit our quota on the child sacrifice. I think by far has the most child sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, we just ran it up about eight times talking about the child. I don't think no, Tom Brady doesn't sacrifice any kids. He just sucks the life out of them, you know? Like, he doesn't even sacrifice them. Dan Schneider at least sacrifices. <laughs> um, what's, what's the next game? From last week. Uh, that was the only game well, we had to I talk mean, about. Last exactly year. What we we, we could talk about Niners Ravens, but um, oh, I didn't expect, expect a shootout. shootout that would end too... on like the last play of the game. Definitely a close game. Well, not necessarily yeah. a shootout, but a, a Justin close Tuck, game. Justin Tucker, man, that dude is a beast. Yeah, he's he's special. He might be the best, best kicker in the NFL. He best kicker in NFL history already. He's up I mean, there. He's already the most accurate. Maybe. That... Accuracy. Yeah, but he's is god awful though. But he probably should go to the retirement. I'm pretty home. sure they're about to put him on IR too. Join Pat McAfee in the booth, brother. He's been probably he's probably been a top five kicker for like fifteen uh, years. That would be he, something. He deserves it. He he's gonna be a first battle hall of famer. I mean, oh yeah, I mean just because both both of them. Who, Vinatieri or Tucker? I mean, yes. both of them. Yeah, but Vinatieri Vinatieri is the all time leading scorer. Yeah. In probably might just get the jacket when he retires. As, as it comes, he'll still do it. Who cares? I don't think they're even allowed to do it. All right. Do so it. what's next on the agenda? <laughs> All right. So uh, after they lost their game last week, the Panthers finally. I mean, shout out the Panthers. The and, half, and they fired Ron Finally. This probably should have happened in 2017. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, 
<sighs> you know, Ron, you know, being from North Carolina, you know, Ron Rivera has definitely been very revered here. Um, he's probably, he was probably a lot more revered than even John Fox was, who probably got two or three seasons more than he deserved as well. But nonetheless, he's, he's, he was a great, he's a great guy. Um, good football coach. Um, I just think that after you, I just think he ran his course. Yeah. I, think, I mean, he did what he could. I must he. It's hard for me to call him a bad coach, but those last few years were not exactly what I'd call good. Well, I think whenever uh, you know a head football coach gets somewhere for too long, some of the stuff that you do just becomes too routine and too predictable, and eventually everyone else catches up with it. And it does it, it kind of ages you out a little bit. Yeah. You just gotta adapt. You know? Yeah. And I don't think Ron Rivera really adapted that much. But in also in his in his favor, I don't think that they turned that roster over enough. They didn't. No. Certainly not. And I you mean they did that cam too. Then you gotta think about, you know, Luke. Um Luke was hurt, you know. I believe he was hurt last year or either the year before last and missed most of that season. And then Cam has been hurt for basically the past two years. So, I mean, he hasn't exactly had his, his, his two guys who are his leaders on his team with him. But uh, still, I always think it's time. You know, if you can't, if you can't punch the hole through, Normally, in the first five years with a head coach, normally you're not going to get, you're not going to punch through ever. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I know he was big for the, you know, for that community and he, he did a lot. He was a guy, he was, he's a good guy, but I think he just sometimes just got to move on. I mean, and some of the you can say that it's not all Ron Rivera's fault. Some of the decisions made by the front office while he was there were not great. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Don't forget, he had David I mean, Gettleman as even this past year, just few years. spending a second round or third round pick on a on a QB that didn't even get a snap when Cam went down. And I mean, I just, I don't know, man. The timing of the firing was very odd as well. Yeah, I don't know why they did it now, but... I mean, doing it on a Tuesday after he's already done his Monday press conference, it's a little weird timing for the NFL. Yeah, this doesn't happen a lot. That is weird. Normally they wait until, like, they'll do it, like, directly after a game, you know? Yeah, like, they'll do it that Monday morning, or they'll do it, like you said, directly after a game. Or they'll wait until after the season's over. Yeah. Tuesday was really weird. So what do you think? Do you think they're – I think you actually explained this on Twitter, that you think Jerry Jones isn't bringing in any in, like any interns, so he's going to wait till December 30th to fire. Uh, yeah. You're right. I, I, I don't think – I think that's the reason that's saving Garrett right now is I don't think Jerry wants to have any residue or have anybody – I think he's just. I think he's just done with Jason Garrett. Do you think and, he's cleaning house? 
I think I think I think I think the only person who's safe is Kellen Moore. Is Kellen Moore? And he might even get hired by someone else if they fire their team and they want an offensive. I line. think if, coach, if they might that would happen, like, say, hey, like we after week three or week four, maybe. But I think, which my my big my big thing is, I think that Kellen Moore is handcuffed by Jason Garrett. Yeah, because of how good the offense looked those first three weeks. I think that Jason Garrett tried to get him to run the ball more and do more of the things that we saw in the Linehan because after those first three weeks, you know, you saw a seismic shift in how much motion was being done, how many different, uh, you know, formations that you were seeing, the personnel, Randall, we went away from Randall Cobb a lot. Um, it, it, it just looks a lot different now to watch. And I think Jason Garrett felt that his seat was getting hot with Kellen Moore Right there, just like how when Jason Garrett um, came in and he made Wade Phillips seat hot. Yeah, I remember Wade Phillips. Man, I remember when I remember people were like, "Oh, the Cowboys played bad just to get Wade Phillips fired." Yeah, I was younger then. That was a different time. I mean, Terrell Owens still hasn't let that go. Terrell Owens hasn't let a lot of things go. <laughs> well. He's Terrell Owens. He is Terrell Owens. I will say, when he when he worked out in the sure driveway, that, that is the most classic interview of all time. It's probably one of the greatest sports TV moments of all time. It really is. When he, he just calls a press conference after basically uh, having a fight with his quarterback, does a bunch of sit-ups and pull-ups while answering questions. It's so practice. great. It's so great. Love to you. And it's, and it's that exact moment that probably kept him out of the Hall of Fame for about three or four years. He should have been first ballot. I mean, he's the, he's the, he's the second best wide receiver. He really should have, which is... Second best? It's just like yeah. baseball. They they need to get their ass. He's... I know, I yeah. I think he's not... Yeah. I think he's number three. I think it's right. Uh, I don't know about... Whichever way you go. I don't know, man. The other one... And then team. Owens as at bottom. Oh, and Rice on the same team, bro. T.O. is at worst number three and at best number two. That's crazy how they had Rice and T.O. at the same time at one point. The Niners. Yeah. I mean, but you know, you know, Jerry Rice was what changed Terrell Owens. Yeah. Because he said that seeing how he worked changed the way that he worked. Oh man, T.O. was responsible for so many great moments, man. Like when he celebrated on the star. Oh yes, the the bringing out the sharpie. Oh my god, the sharpie. What do you uh, think is more? Cla- I want to. This is an important question. What's more classic, the Tory Holt phone call or the Trello and? Sh- it wasn't Tory Holt. What's it was Joe Horn? It Joe Horn. Holt. Joe Horn. Yes. It was sorry. um. It was someone on the Saints. I'm Joe going Joe Horn. Horn with the phone call, bro. Joe Horn phone Tio call or T.O. on the star? Um, uh, you see, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, Bryce. I think Joe Horn on with the phone he call because that. he 
they don't call much. They didn't call much well, for like unsportsmanlike conduct. Like they didn't. They called that. Oh, well, they also right. started a fight. So that's, yeah, well, because he did it twice. Yeah, and yeah. then um, another uh, cowboy came out there and did it. I think he scored and did it. I too. think it was Emmett. Wasn't it Emmett? I think. I think yeah. Okay, so how it went was To scored. Celebrated on the star, Emmett did it, and then he ran in for the touchdown. He ran over to the the star, and he like yeah. kneeled down and placed yeah. the ball on it. And then To did it again. I don't know that Joe Horn game. phone call though. Ooh. Joe Horn was tough. I'm not Joe lie. Horn was tough, bro. He really was. You know what was an underrated one in my opinion was um. Randy Moss's rookie season where he had the Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving like, uh, 168 yards and three touchdowns. It, on Thanksgiving, his rookie season, if Twitter was now. around then where he it showed his stat line, he was just looking to the camera all cocky and everything. I think anything Chad Ochocinco Twitter, Twitter would have exploded if it was around. The touchdown celebration was just... I, 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 think that, I think the one that was most underrated for, for Chad Johnson was the one where he put the gold jacket on. Oh... Oh my god! Um, my personal favorite. Chad that was Johnson good. I personally like when he proposed he to the cheerleader. He started golfing the football. <laughs> Steve yeah. Smith was in the celebration game. Oh, that too. Yes, that was a classic one. Steve Smith. Yeah, Steve Smith. You don't. Remember Steve Smith did have some cold stuff. But remember, no, what, when, uh, when he went, when he went uh, rolling with the ball, the rowboat with the yeah, ball. the rowboat. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And then there was the one, you know, because he's so small, where he just ran up and just like hugged the uh, the uprights <laughs> and slid down like a little child. That was awesome. I remember every time I hear about I I hear Steve Smith, I always think about the time where he caught his where he caught the touchdown pass and then someone broke his arm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that wasn't like gruesome or anything. I just remember that. Yeah. yeah. Steve Smith, also my favorite thing about Steve Smith was like, if they were like leading in a game, he caught a first down, he'd just like spin the ball and walk away. Mm-hmm. Steve Smith was cold, man. Dude, he's my, he's my, he's my favorite receiver of all time. He's awesome. Definitely. Like, he's like 5'9", and he was out there doing stuff that, like, because you know five nine receivers, they're technically not supposed to ever be a number one wide receiver. And Steve Smith was a number one wide receiver for pretty much his entire career. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was, he was a crazy route runner. And then I mean, he could just get separation on anybody. Little guy syndrome. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, but he was actually good. Yeah. I mean, well, well, guy syndrome sucked. I was about to say, little guy syndrome normally leads to either a Hall of Fame career or somebody who's hated by the media. Yeah. Out for no reason. Yeah. All right. So there's two big games. Uh, let's pick those two games and then we'll go through our picks again. So. Yeah, so first big game uh, I got, this week. What did I say? Is Hold on, let me make sure. Six. I said I had the Niners. I got the Niners over the Saints. Yeah, 
Yes. Uh, the Saints are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I also have the Niners on the road just because of how well they match up against the Saints. I think this is going to be another really good game, but I do think that the Niners' defense is going to have they enough do. to they contain have the Saints' slow. offense, who... Uh, last few weeks, so the other big game being Pats Chiefs, uh, you have the Pats because fun fact: Ian has not once since the show has started picked against the Patriots. Not. I think they've lost six. It's hard games to pick against the Patriots when they're favored seven. in literally every game. Oh, that's right. Okay, so they've lost seven. I have the Patriots as well. I don't think the Chiefs uh, can beat them. Seven. They went eleven and five. Uh, not this Chiefs team. And not in New England. So, I have the pass as well. Alright, so, for the rest of the picks of the week, uh, I had the Cowboys last night, because we are recording on Friday. Uh, That pick didn't turn out too well. Uh, Lost 31-24 to the Bears. Um, as for the rest of them, I have the Falcons, Ravens, Browns, Packers, Vikings, Niners, Jets. Uh, Vikings, I have Texans, I had the Chargers, Cowboys as Titans, well. Obviously, it's wrong. Seahawks, I have the Panthers, the Ravens, the Browns, the Packers, Texans, Vikings, Niners, Jets, Colts, Jaguars, Steelers, Pats, Titans, Seahawks, and Eagles. All right. Well, not yet. We're saving that for last. We have some. So let's move on to the big weekend of college football. Well, I actually, I have a, I have a very recent development from Bob Nightingale. I guess we can talk baseball first. Very recent, as in sixteen minutes. Bob says, despite the luxury tax, the Phillies are all in on Rendon. So, that means, uh, yeah. Oh my! That's terrifying. <laughs> Considering they just signed uh, Wheeler, so we're going to talk <laughs> about that. Just keep in um, mind that hmm. the Phillies want Rendon. I mean, I think a lot of teams do, of course. Yeah, uh, probably at least two or three. Rendon, but how many teams are going to be all in on him? Yeah. I would so let's so talk about that. So Wheeler on him right now, but got a what is um <laughs> got a huge deal with the Phillies, like massive, massive deal. Um, I think I forget the exact number. Um, I think it was I think it was one hundred and fifty-five million. Was it that much? I think it was um I think it might have been that much. And it's crazy because based on what we're hearing from the Yankees, uh that is not gonna be the biggest contract a pitcher gets this off season. But we'll talk about that at another time. So Wheeler got this huge deal. Do you think he's worth it, you two? Uh five years. Hundred eighteen million. So worth it, yes or no? Uh, Wheeler's Wheeler's contract is five years, one hundred eighteen million. Okay. Um, I think that's about where I'd want him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I won't say it's an overpay. 
Because we already had a solid year last year. Bit high on the I card. agree with Hefe. I think that's too high. I now, I will say, solid, say that taking a pitcher from a division rival is that's, maybe that's pretty, pretty baller. It is baller. I'm. Let's let's think about this. The Mets, right? Because we're, we're gonna. The Mets have did two things that made news. So the Mets let Wheeler walk, which makes it the second time in the same offseason the Phillies took somebody they wanted. How did they let this happen? I don't know. But they're trading ownership in five years, apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. So there, I forget. What's the guy's name? I can't remember, but He's increasing his hold in the Mets. He's going to have 80%, but he's not controlling yeah, the know. team till 2024. This is um interesting, considering the Mets need new management and new owners now. Um, so do you think – it's really a matter of do you guys think the Mets are going to be uh, a good team in five years? Uh, baseball is always hard to project in five years because there's so much that can change. And yeah. I, I, I can't say I know exactly how good the Mets' farm system is right now. There, uh, that's uh, it's uh, I mean, in five years, I could change though. The thing is, for me, because looking at the roster right now. DeGrom, in five years, I don't know where he's going to be at. Um, Syndergaard, in five years, I don't know where he's going to be at. Really, all their pitches. So the question is, I mean, the biggest thing I think for the Mets to do is go ahead and flip both of those guys, man. Flip DeGrom? You You just said that you don't know where they're going to oh be my. in five years. Uh, that great right now. They they seem to be trending up. I don't know. They seem a very they seem like a very mediocre team. They, they are. Like they those, are. They seem like one of those teams that are going to be fighting for a playoff bid for the next two or three years. But I mean, do you really want to be right there if you're the Mets, or do you want to go ahead flip? these two guys while they are both worth a ton of prospects improve your farm system you're going to get better draft picks by being bad and then in the next four to five years you're going to be looking at almost building a contender if you do your farm system correctly I you are you just hit a take that's like Keith Ledger Joker level societal collapse because if the Mets traded DeGrom like I Uh, a new committee as well go off I mean let's be real here the Giants just traded OBJ that wasn't added no that's not the same that's not the same DeGrom actually wins no, like I mean, best pitcher DeGrom, in the league award every single DeGrom, year. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I know it's not the exact same because a pitcher versus a wide receiver, but you're talking about a mega star who basically right now you're kind of wasting him 
on a mid-level team versus going ahead and just hitting the bottom for a little while and then coming back up. I mean, but that's just me. I never want to be in a position where I'm chasing mediocre just to be mediocre. All right. I get your point, but my counterpoint is this. In modern, in the modern-day media, in the modern-day, you know, how we expect things to go, um, tanking on purpose, tanking in New York City media is very hard, very, very difficult. Um, if you make a mistake as a New York sports team, the media is going to make you feel it. And they don't care if you're tanking. They don't care if it's for the benefit in the long run. They are going to torch you if you're bad. But here's the thing: if you're mid, they're not gonna they're not gonna be kind to you either. If you're mid, they'll they'll just like call you out on it here and there. But being bad and getting no results in New York City media, people get fired. Um, that's why I just make sure the trade is not whack. Just make sure the trade isn't whack. <laughs> just, anything you trade for DeGrom is going to be seen as whack by at least half the fan base. And That's media. why you make sure that it is a king's ransom. It is one of those things where it's like, I don't know, maybe you're getting so many prospects. Maybe you get five to seven prospects. Who and, is there a prospect in mind in this deal? I mean, not, not necessarily for me. I don't because, I mean, it's hard. It's hard because it's like, do you want to go after some of the top prospects and then maybe you get three or four, or maybe you go after some of the better prospects who maybe in two or three years are some of the top prospects then? Um, I mean, you look at the Blue Jays right now, that team, how young they are. Would you do it with them if you're the Mets? Like, if you were going to do this, you were going to trade to Grom. You could trade him to the Blue Jays because it's not in your division or league, and you get you could maybe get Vlad Guerrero Jr. and like Freddie Galvis, right? And some others. I mean, if you're looking at Grom, his his WAR, his wins above placement is eight. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's 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 a whole lot. That that's a whole lot, but. I don't know. When it comes to starting that's, pitchers, that's they are much. so important in the playoffs, but if you're not making the playoffs, then how important is a starting pitcher? I mean, the Nationals don't even make the playoffs if they don't have the rotation they have. Correct. I mean, but how important is one starting pitcher if you're not making the playoffs? You're basically sending him out there to give you great pitching performances, to keep you in games, and you're not even going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I see baseball a little bit differently, I guess, because I, I mean, I've always been. If if I'm a team, I don't want to be in the middle. I'd rather be at the bottom or at the top. I feel like you can look at any sport like that. See, but there's a lot of fans who are very cool with being in the middle as long as they are exciting in the middle. Yeah, that ain't me. That ain't for me either. Um, and if you're the Mets, you're an organization. Yeah, no, you kind of got to be on top. World Series forty years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, 
you you haven't been able to compete for a World Series since I mean I Oh, that's true, Alex. They hung the participation trophy in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I would say since twenty fifteen. So I mean you're four years removed from that. And I just I don't I don't know. If you get lo- I, I you don't want to get lost in this bubble of we're waiting for that one or two great players to really transcend us to a contender while also wasting these Hall of Fame t- style, you know, type pitchers. Because by the time they get there, they're not going to be the Hall of Fame type pitchers that can get you a championship and they're not going to be as valuable. Like, I'd rather trade someone a year or two early than to trade them, than to just be stuck with them when they're not as good. I, you know what? I can agree with you. And what you just said is absolute madness, but I get it. I understand it. It's madness. It is madness, but it's, it's calculated. I mean, you got, you got to, for baseball, if you're not, I mean, as far as I've always known, the Mets have been pretty cheap. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And if you're going to be cheap, at least be cheap in the right way. At least do it more, at least like the Oakland A's, where they know they're not going to be able to keep their big stars, and they continually always have a good farm system, and they build for four or five years down the line. And then occasionally they have those big years. Yeah, but neither gets some rings, though. Spending money gets you rings. That's really what it is. Yeah, it is. But but you can either you need to hold on to this idea yeah. of, hey, we're the Mets, we need superstars, or you can say, we're the Mets, we're cheap, we're going to go the Oakland A's route, and then when you think you have a time – then maybe you go out and spend money to find one or two of those guys. I mean, the you compare the the A's and what they're doing, and the A's have done, um, they've done all right, but they just they haven't won a win or they haven't ta- the A's have not won a winner take all playoff game in over twenty years. Yeah. So that system, you know, yeah, it so much. Yeah, it looks so much, but. With the Mets, I believe the Mets have a little bit. I think they're not as cheap as the A's. So I think just really building that team to the point where you're a piece away, a piece or two away, and then, hey, we're going to flip the switch and spend money on these two, two, two or three guys to go ahead and put us over the top, at least try to put us over the top necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see it. I mean, they definitely need something. Uh Especially now, I mean, they were losing pieces, and they lost Wheeler, to division rival. Um, I mean, which losing Wheeler to losing Wheeler to a division rival. I mean, you're losing probably four or five games over whoever else. But now that you've lost into a division rival, now you're losing probably six or seven games in, in reality. Yeah, it's it's a decision. I mean. It's, it's certainly a decision that we'll, we're going to have to see. It's just the entire Mets um, org has been just a mess since 2015. And uh, I think 
I think now, Ian, we can go into what you wanted to. No. No. We'll, we'll talk about that talk when about things happen. Before we go to college football? So you don't want to talk about Garrett Cole and everything? Big, big time right. weekend. Right. Well, college football's got a big weekend this weekend. Lots of championship games. And, uh... I guess we can just start off with the game that'll have already happened by the time this episode's up, but uh, literally in four and a half hours from now, we got the Pac-12 <laughs> championship, number five, Utah, at number 13, Oregon. Utah uh, covered by seven in well, this game, well, so Utah's gonna win. I personally have Utah and winning this game. What about the rest of you guys? Playoffs. Well, all right, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. We'll get to that. I don't want to touch on this game too much because by the time this goes up, it's going to be um, it's going to be over. No, no. What's gonna happen is I'm gonna get, I'm gonna have you send me this audio, and I'm gonna edit damage control for bad the audio. So instead of me saying, like, if you, I'm, a, I'm picking Utah, but if Oregon wins, I'm gonna go back and edit it and just like redact that and be like, yeah, I picked. It. And then we'll, you know. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, so, right, you say, like, so I'm picking like three seconds of dead sound, so you could say Oregon. So you right, yeah, that in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Baylor, Oklahoma, next. All right, cool, perfect. <laughs> Oklahoma. Yes, we'll probably go up a little earlier. Yeah, so that's that. at noon but, on Saturday, right when this episode goes. But up. I have Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll probably put it up at eleven. Who do you think you have? Bay? Give me Oklahoma, man. We're rolling Lincoln Riley, man. Lincoln Riley is a beast. ECU, baby. (laughs) All right. So next one, 4 p.m., LSU, Georgia. Uh, (laughs) LSU. All right. So now I will say LSU does not need this game. Georgia does. LSU doesn't. Yeah. Give me Uh, I still think LSU wins. Now, now we have probably the worst championship game I've ever seen. Three, three Clemson versus twenty-three Virginia. Who y'all got? Who made this a primetime game? Mm-hmm. Yep. Give me Clemson. Uh, I got give the one. That's yeah, give me Clemson as well. So obviously, and Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah, Ohio State going to win by a pretty hefty margin. So I want to ask you oh, a question. This season's been fun. Ohio because State we just – so I want to – so this didn't happen for anybody. Well, actually, this did. We all picked Utah. Now, I want to ask you a question. Utah – like, we our, – all of our scenarios had Georgia losing and Utah and Oklahoma winning. Who do you put in, Oklahoma or Utah? Oklahoma gets in. I mean, it's college football. It's college. Why? Why do they? Why do you think they deserve it over Utah? Because Oklahoma, and nobody's gonna watch a game with Utah. All right. Nobody's like. It, I don't know. It's just this is one of the reasons why I'm not really a big college football fan. It's like you're never gonna get that Cinderella. Utah is never getting in. I don't, I don't care who or how they win this game. They're never getting in. All right. Ian, Utah or Oklahoma, if they both win, who do you put in? 
Um, frankly, Oklahoma has had a bunch of ranked wins this season. Utah's only had one. Obviously, they have two if they beat Oregon. But then, if Oklahoma wins, okay, they have so you think they have better? I think okay. just based on that alone, I think that they're. That's a good. Rep, that's a you know good argument. I would say. I do think that I'd say it's close because Oklahoma's loss is much worse than Utah's loss. Um, Utah lost to an eight and four USC team, uh, and Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, which they ended up. Well, I mean they're the same record, okay. So I think I didn't realize Kansas State was eight and four. I thought they were like six and five or seventy five. So you know what? I I agree. I think yeah, Oklahoma deserves point. it if they win. If they beat Baylor, and it comes down to it, I think Oklahoma deserves it more than Utah does. But that being said, I've talked about this with with Raza, who has. Trust me, he is a problem. He is addicted to college football like you wouldn't believe. He has said, and this is interesting because it's true, Utah has been put over Oklahoma all year in terms of ranking since Oklahoma lost. And if they both win, Utah is above Oklahoma right now. So I have to imagine... It is possible Utah gets in. If huh? it's, but it's not college football-like. It's not college football-like. It's not college. I mean, why did we make the playoff system? Because the BCS would never let in those small teams like Utah into the party. Um, we're not We're not, not really a small team, though. They're in the Pac-12. That's a powerful You see, I feel like in terms of the Power Five conference, though, mm-hmm. they're like number four on the higher. Then Big Twelve, because obviously and SEC is the king, and then Big oh, ACC, ACC is their fourth. Then ACC Big Twelve, you got Big Twelve, and the, the ACC is just like ACC has. They have Miami, they have Florida State, they have Clemson. Um, while the Pac twelve, I mean, Oregon's been good in in the past ten years or so. UCLA used to be good in the 80s. USC? USC has fallen from grace. They won a a Rose Bowl a few years ago. They won a Rose Bowl. I mean, that's that's cool, but it's not... I mean, Texas won a a Rose Bowl a few years ago, but we don't consider that program to be in in the shape that it was at its peak. Well, that's because they're losing a lot. Oklahoma or, or USC... USC hasn't been like they, I mean, ever since the BCS ended. They haven't been up there, you know. So I mean, but let's let's look at let's look at USC. Let's look at really any Pac-12 team. How many Pac-12 teams have won a impactful bowl game? How, how many How many have won a national championship or have won a college football playoff game? Um, I don't think they've won a college football playoff game. Exactly. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. Oregon has, I think. I think Oregon was one of the last years that they had that they didn't have uh, the college football playoff. Oregon won. Oregon went to a national championship. They didn't win, but I think. But when I I believe that was one of the last BCS championship games. So 
No, they beat Florida State that year, remember? With Jameis Winston and the fumble, the ghost fumble. Ah, yeah, that's right. They did win one. They did win one. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that one, but Florida State's won a championship. Clemson's won two championships. Um, So, that's already three national championships. One for the SEC versus Oregon and the Pac-12, who has one college football playoff. I just think Oregon's obviously out. Like Oregon has two losses they're not making it no matter what. But I, I'm just saying I think that it's ABT not like, is still valued more than the Pac-12. I, that's not really the argument. 2019. Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure. The argument, I, I, I guess also the argument for Oklahoma over, over Utah is that Oklahoma's always traditionally been one of those blue blood powers of college football for so long. They have Lincoln Riley. They have Jalen Hurts. They have all those great receivers. They have star power. I don't think I could, like, right off the top of my head, I can't name a single Utah player off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> and I think most of the nation would not be able to name a Utah player off the top of their head. And I'm but not They could probably name Jalen Hurt. They could name C.D. Lamb. They could name the coach. I can't name the coach of Utah right now. So I, when it comes to the college football playoff, both of those teams, whoever gets in, is losing by four. So yeah, I, they're not going to beat Ohio State. They're not beating Ohio State. So why let in a team who's not even at least going to make it interesting? You know, Utah has no star power. Like, why would you put them on a, on a primetime game? I think the thing is you're saying this off of, like, who we'd rather see. But the college football playoff is more about who's better. I don't, think, but I don't think that that's true. See, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be true. How true it is, you could debate. But I, I just don't in, think in it's true. I think a lot better. of people are going to have their feelings hurt when they see Oklahoma is in over Utah. Utah. Hey, uh, sorry, have it. Bryce, well, you Bryce know, well, it's about damn time. Bryce, you're going to be very happy to hear this. It is, it's about uh, David Fisdale just got fired by the news. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think I just like the Pac-12 hasn't right, been snubbed. Like they don't snub the Pac-12. If there's a team that deserves to be in the Final Four from the Pac-12, they'll put them in. They've did it. They've done it with Oregon. Washington's made it. Um. Utah is on the on the verge. If they win tonight, which you guys will know if they do before this goes up. We don't know, but if they do win and they are favored, um, I can see it. I just don't see it, man. I'm okay with either because I know Oklahoma and Utah are both losing to whoever's the one seed. It's going to be LSU or Ohio State. So... One of those two. I, I just, I just don't see it, man. Um, college football has never really worked that way. It is about college who football should be in there. It's about who would. I mean, who's who's going to be more interesting to see in a primetime game? Now, if if this was like if the if this is say it was Utah versus an SEC team, I wouldn't even question it. But Pac-12 and Big 12 are kind of, you know, I mean. Big, Big 12 has a lot more, lot more uh, seed than, than the Pac 12. I think the I think the Big 12 is better. 
right now. And I think that might factor, but I mean, we'll have to see. It's really the honor of who loses to who Ohio loses to Ohio State or LSU. And and I mean, plus, I mean, if you're looking at it too, I, I mean, just I think in the next two, I think in the next few years, we're going to see this. I think we're going to see the playoffs go up to eight anyway. Eight? I've always said six. I, I think somewhere in that six to eight range, I think we're going to get that. I think we're going to see that go up. I hope so. And, the reason, and the reason why I believe so, Alabama is getting left out for the first time ever. This is the first time Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to have Alabama in the college football playoffs. See, you could, you could make it like this. And I don't necessarily think this is always going to be a good idea, but it's possible. You could put the winner, you could guarantee the winners of all the Power Five conferences a spot and the best team outside of that. Maybe not outside the Power Five, but whoever six, you know, whoever it is. See, I don't think that that would happen either because I think they would want to put in another SEC team. I mean, they could. It would render the championships almost useless sometimes, but that is an idea. I don't necessarily like it, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could say only conference champions get in. You could always say, hey, we'll we'll put in all of the Power Five, and then we'll put in uh, the best the best non-Power Five conference winner. We'll see. I mean, but those those non-Power Five conference championship games are always so iffy. So it's like you could see like Memphis losing to like Houston, and Memphis would have been the team that goes in, but instead now Houston goes in. They're like twenty three or something like that. I don't know. I there's I don't think there's a way to fix college football without saying let's just go to a eight game regular season and then everyone gets to everyone gets a playoff game that is a certainly an idea yeah i mean I, that's just the way i think maybe you maybe you go down to an eight eight game regular season uh one conference championship game everyone is guaranteed a playoff game um, to make up for the loss of revenue, so everyone gets ten games, and then somehow you try to narrow it down. Which I don't think. I guess not. Maybe not everyone gets in. I guess maybe like maybe like maybe like sixty four, sixty five teams, something like that. And then you just narrow it down piece by piece. You want to you want to make it like March Madness? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Maybe, maybe you do forty-eight. Oh my God, teams. imagine. Jesus, man. I, I don't think my brain can comprehend that. I might not have the brain power for that. Um, that's interesting, though. That is definitely. I think interesting. that might be a little much, but. I just don't think I'm smart enough to break that down. <laughs> that's chaos. That you are like you are playing the Joker role today, Hefe. You are you are out here trying to create as much <laughs> chaos. Okay, so as possible. I just figured this out. Okay, we do a forty-team playoff. Forty-team playoff. 
14 playoff. Okay. And the top, let me make sure I got this right. The top eight seeds get a bye. Okay. So you get 32, you get 32 teams, 16 bowl games, basically. Then those eight teams who win, they go see the eight seeds as, as already bracketed. And then from there, you just you play it out. I mean, that adds the, the, the final champion would have about 13 to 14 games. So you're still at the exact same amount of games for a champion anyway. That is. And literally no one would ever be able to say that they got left out or they got shipped. No, that'll always be, that'll always be somebody, no matter how many teams. But when you're like 40, uh, you didn't make the top 40 teams, so that's. Do you really deserve it? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, we see people complain about how March Madness looks every year, and that's 64, so. I mean, there's always, I I think that's just more for TV ratings and stuff like that. People are like, oh, we got chipped. I mean, who cares if you didn't get a 12 seed in in a tournament? Yeah, you're not winning anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're not. I mean, <laughs> mathematically, there's never been a team who's been lower than eight to win. So, like, why are you crying about a 13 seed in the March Madness? I mean, the only, the only reason why you have to be mad is because your team doesn't get on national TV, which means your team doesn't get a chance to let the world see them, and that maybe more people, maybe you get more recruits because of that. But in that case, man, you got to do – you should have did what was – you are right. I mean, you had – I mean, you were one – you missed one of 64 teams. There were 64 teams, and you couldn't find your way into that 64. I get I, what you're saying. Um, it's – that's crazy, man. A 40-team playoff for football sounds – I love, I love chaos. It also sounds chaotic as hell. And it also sounds. Fun. I think the mo- I think the worst thing that you'd hear is, "Oh, we should have gotten a bye." And then plus, I think it would be great to be able to see. You get a lot more teams on national TV. You get more of a March Madness feel to it. You get a chance to see how football can be really any day and any time. You get a chance for all of these teams who are not in Power Five conferences to take on these Power Five teams who are lower lower tier and see if they can win. I, I think it would just fundamentally challenge everything that college football has been about, which has been very elitist in the way that the championship series goes. I mean, because when have you ever seen a team who started probably outside the top 25, find their way into the college football playoffs and even into, I mean, even into the college football playoffs. You haven't, I don't think you've seen that yet. No, I don't think so. Definitely not. Like pretty much for you to win a college football championship, you have to start pretty much in the top 10 and be in a power five conference. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically right. So you want you just chaos, man. I, I'm I'm personally just like if you want to if you want to end on a belly aching and everything, 
shorten this shorten the regular season. The regular season is already chaotic. Imagine how chaotic an eight game regular season is. Like one loss could possibly end your chance at getting a a first round bye. That's it's it's that's crazy. <laughs> also too, also too, for the since it's only eight seeds, you gotta load up your schedule too. You gotta have a tough schedule because if you want, because whoever can have a tougher schedule than you and get in an eight and get yeah. the first round by over you, if you just say, "Hey, we're just gonna go cupcake it for the first three, and then we're gonna play our five conference opponents that we have to play." And within those cupcake games, it would give everybody extra incentive. It it just it would just create so much. It would just be a fundamental change of college football. It this would cause a meltdown. <laughs> I you, you know what the I. This is obviously very well thought out. Um, it's actually it's, it's one of those things that comes up when, like you know, because I cover sports in North Carolina and high school, North Carolina. You know, in high school, there's a fundamental shift going on right now. But I think the thing is to just rather than to keep on trying to fix this system, why not go to a completely new system? that changes everything that it has been about in the past and make it more fun too. I mean, because I mean, with a 40 team playoff, you're going to see so many more kids, you know, national TV, you're going to see so many more people who are going to be able to actually play in front of their families. It will be a lot more about the athlete. And also you're going to be able to keep the money in the big corporation, AKA the NCAA's pocket. Yeah. That. so many of these teams will have actually a chance to make the playoffs, get on national TV, and make some real money. I I don't even have words for this idea. That's it's it's that you just you got it. You know what? That is not a bad system. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Oh, it'll never happen. Like if, like I just this is basically like the meme of like when they're like, we need new ideas for our company. It's only we'll be like sixteen playoff, eighteen playoff, me forty game, forty team playoff, and they throw it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, but it would work. I could see it working. Then too, I mean, it shortens the season for a lot of teams as well. Yeah, and you, don't so you, don't, you don't get as many injuries, but this also creates more revenue because you're getting more national TV games, so you're making more money. Yeah, you know what, man? That's actually, I actually like it. I can't lie to you. I like it. But I want to ask y'all something. I want to ask y'all a question. Okay. So let's say Utah, Oklahoma, right? We pick them. One team we didn't pick is Georgia. Now I want to ask. I want. I want to. Since we're going on some chaos, 
let's say Utah, Oklahoma, and Georgia win, and Virginia upsets Clemson. So we're talking, we are talking some chaos on a different level. What happens? Oh, let's throw in, let's throw in Wisconsin beats Ohio State. That's we're not doing that. That that no, we're not doing that. Let's just ah, let's just go with uh, as much as I love that idea. Super chaotic. Um. Okay. okay, I think so. Okay, so we'll say that Ohio Georgia State holds one. Uh, so if LSU yeah. loses to Georgia, I think. Well, I would say Ohio State stays one. I, I would put Georgia two. two. They're already lost. And then Clemson um, lost, and Oklahoma and Utah both win in that scenario. I think he'd knock Clemson out. I mean, that's. Yeah, I I think you have to in that case because I mean Virginia is the number twenty three team. Wait, wait a second. Utah is playing Oregon and they're number eighteen, right? I, th- I think you have to do that in that. Yeah, case. Oregon's thirteen. Thirteen. Hmm. And then Oklahoma's playing Baylor. Oregon's number what? thirteen. Seven. Seven. Yeah, Clemson, Clemson would have to fall right outside. Seven. They'd probably go down to five, so and then you put Oklahoma you'd probably put Oklahoma three, Utah four. Mm, I don't think LSU. I don't think LSU falls out. Of oh no, team. never mind. You put Oklahoma three, or you put LSU three, Oklahoma four. I would. I don't think that they would put LSU four. Well, they lost. I mean, <laughs> no. I said. I said LSU three, Oklahoma four. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I don't, um, I don't know if LSU can fall to three. But Georgia be two. Can you imagine Georgia moving up to two at this point? Yeah. Georgia, Georgia moving up to two and then having to play LSU again would kind of suck, though. Yeah, that would be, be crazy. You're like, dang it, we just beat this team. Like, yeah, if they win, they probably got to play them again. <laughs> and they probably get their butts handed to them if they play twice. I don't think, yeah, Georgia... I don't think Georgia could beat them twice. Yeah. It's, so, it's, especially considering the consecutive in consecutive weeks pretty much, basically, two two consecutive games. They'll have like weeks to just look at that film and study and figure out where they went wrong. I I don't think I don't think I don't think Georgia would have a chance. But if you look at it and LSU falls a four, now you're looking at LSU versus Ohio State. State, which should probably be the national championship game. Yeah. And plus, I'm going to tell you, I'd, I'd hate not to see LSU versus Clemson. How about I'm a I'm a lead to the end of the episode off that note, bro. If LSU and Clemson play, I gotta say, I like the Tigers. Yeah, I like the Tigers. I like the Tigers just in general. They got a, they got a real good energy around them. They feel a lot like the Ravens right now. <laughs> Which Tigers? Anyway, <laughs> great comedy here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's a great way to end it. Um, thank you for listening to episode sixty-nine. Nice. The I'm walking number, here. Okay. I know. I said it. I said the number. I said it. I said it. Shit.
All right, thank you for listening to this episode of I'm Walking Here. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at IWH Podcast. You can follow myself on Twitter at Ian M. Cusick. That is spelled C-U-S-I-C-K. You can follow Bryce on Twitter at It's B-R-I-Z-Z. I-T-S-B-R-I-Z-Z. Uh, follow Hefe on Twitter at Y-G-A-R-T-T-G. Hefe, if there's anything else you want to plug in the meantime before we call this an episode. Uh, and, uh, it was a great time, man. That was that was some good sports talk. I got to, I got to really just blow some minds here. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely turn people on their heads with this one.